0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past best pitcher winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me on this road to Valhalla is my longtime co host, Mr. Matthew Marchetti. Hey, everybody. Yeah, what's up? And Marchetti, I'm going to have to call you Marchetti because we have a, another special guest coming in, shiny and chrome. From the only podcast about movies, the one, the only, the love of all of our lives, Mr. Matthew Kroll. What is
1: up, Oscar <laughs> Watch Podcast?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: How you guys doing?
0: Oh, it is so good to have you here. That is the enthusiasm we have been missing.
1: It is great <laughs> to be here. Oh, oh yeah. You're, you have Mark ketty on the show and you're missing enthusiasm? I don't think that's the case.
0: Matt, I have spent 102 <laughs> episodes listening to you... Just go over the top on everything. And yep. uh, you know what? I I just I cannot recreate that no matter what. Marchetti, God love you. But Mr. Matthew Kroll is, he's a beautiful and unique. St- oh, you have a Nerf gun now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we're not in the same way. Let run.
1: it be known I did not have the Nerf gun. That was Mr. Matt Marchetti, not Mr. <laughs> yeah. let, well, the record, let, let, let the record show. So
2: me.
0: yeah, so guys, this week we're doing a little something different. Rather than talk about the movies that won either Best Picture, Best Foreign Language, or Best Animated, we are going to be discussing a film that I think we can all maybe agree on should have won during its year. This week, it is 2015's *Mad Max: Fury Road*, directed yes. by George Miller. This is the new a new segment we're calling for your reconsideration. Now, Matt Kroll. Yes. Sorry, Matt Kroll. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, this this movie definitely has a special place in your heart because I feel like, without it, you would not be podcasting right now, would you?
1: Probably not. Uh, it actually was uh, Shahir, my uh, lovable and fun-hating co-host on the only podcast about movies. He, um, he wanted to just talk about Mad Max Fury Road, and I was like, oh, the movie's great, let's do it, da-da-da and we literally made the joke because every you know and whenever a movie comes out we all know everyone does a podcast about it and so the joke was <laughs> we were just joking around being like oh no we're the only one like we don't no one else is talking about this like indie darling uh and uh <laughs> <laughs> then it just sort of I was like we should probably just call a show this and keep going and now we're what 102 100 yeah 102 episodes at this point deep um yeah and also I feel like This film, especially, I think this is when I think I can pinpoint this, guys. This is when the world started going batshit insane when this movie lost to Spotlight. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, this is the touch point. Like this is, if this was the DC universe, the comic book universe, this is where like the crisis on our particular Earth. <laughs> uh, would have began, <laughs> uh, and everything else has splintered beyond it. Uh, so I blame, I blame Spotlight for uh, everything wrong currently in our, in our world.
0: Well, that's a pull quote right there on the Spotlight poster. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, th- now I have to ask: Is that which which reboot of the DC universe is that? Because haven't there been several, at least in the f- past couple of years? Not to go I mean, all nerdy. I feel
1: like we're we're living in the worst parts of the new Fifty Two. Oh. <laughs> that's probably what oh, we're doing. Oh,
0: that's rough. Okay, so Mad Max: Fury Road. At the very least, we have to we have to thank you for giving us the only podcast about movies. Matt, is there some house cleaning you would like to do at the top to uh, keeps you here a little happy? Because because he's he's going to tune out after this
1: if i don't mention his name at least (laughs) once every (laughs) five minutes he's gone uh yeah no uh like i said we are the only podcast about movies there's obviously an asterisk there due to the fact (laughs) that um here i am on another podcast about movies again maybe this is a bizarro alternate reality dream within a dream sort of thing uh you can find us at um, onlymoviepodcast.com uh also the onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com uh and uh, you can follow us on twitter at onlymoviepod and, uh, yeah, just, you know, check us out and then, you know, if you haven't gotten enough movie stuff here, go over to, to the sister show and, uh, <laughs> we'll do it up.
0: Yes, it's definitely worth your time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. They got over a hundred episodes. They're all great. They even talk about movies. They I, actually, at times, I think you you are the only podcast talking about some movies, like that pigeon, pigeon yeah. sat on a branch, pigeon
1: sat on a branch <laughs> and reflected upon existence. Yeah, and uh, not a lot of people, at least in America, were talking about our episode one hundred and one, which was Your Name, uh, that Japanese film that was grossing like a bajillion dollars right. in Japan and everywhere else in the world.
2: Yeah,
0: I just uh, I just heard that one. That is a, like I like I know I know you've I, I went through the whole thing and I go man I I know what happens but I still have to see this movie.
1: It's <laughs> so, it's really good. It's really good. I suggest everybody uh, within earshot goes and checks that out. Especially I think in major cities it still might be playing places. Um, well, that's but, fantastic. Uh, if not, I'm sure it'll get on streaming sometime soon. Yeah.
0: Okay, and so Matthew Marchetti to the other Matt. Oi. This um last week when we announced that we were going to be doing Fury Road, you n- may have had some sort of fit of joy and ecstasy. <laughs> so I have to ask what like, is what is your I'm fam- <laughs> what's, what's your what's your history with this film?
3: Um I mean, I was probably predisposed to loving it just based on the trailers and the marketing and the three movies that came before it. I'm a big fan of the Mad Max franchise. Um and I was just very excited for this sort of reboot, sequel, whatever the hell we want to call it. Uh, it looked just like, interestingly, on the surface, it looked like pure kind of testosterone unfiltered, and it, it actually has a really surprising female and a pro-female agenda going on. So the, the marketing was actually sort of um, a misconception, which was great because I had no idea really what was what to expect other than lots of explosions and cars flipping and sand. And it got a
1: bunch of it got a bunch of uh, people that wouldn't go see something that had a, a bit of a feminist twist to it, seeing it, loving it, thinking it's awesome, and then when they realize it's feminism, they're like, Whoa. No,
0: <laughs>
2: you've done it again!
1: <laughs> How dare you show
0: strong, independent women? I have women? a penis. <laughs> yeah. So, what is this? Is this a reboot, a prequel, a sequel, something called a rebootquel, or something else <laughs> <laughs> entirely? Don't ever the... say that
1: again. <laughs> don't, do oh, oh, okay. just a dirty. That's a, that's a, that's bad touch. That's bad sound. <laughs>
0: Hashtag Uh Don't do it,
1: don't do <laughs> it. Do
0: it, do it. Internet, do it, please. Do it.
1: Yeah, do it. Uh, it's, <laughs> but it's probably already a porn thing anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> oh. okay, how do you guys classify this film?
3: It's, I feel like it's a little bit of everything, really. I think they were trying to make, I think George Miller was trying to make a sequel, but I also think he was trying to reboot it for people who weren't familiar with the original trilogy, but still have enough, like, really quick callbacks to other things, like, um the the toe cutter character and his exploding eyes from the very first movie and i think we also see the villain in in the road warrior as well really really brief little snippets for for fans but mm-hmm. i also think you could just watch it on its own as a standalone and it would be totally fine as well i i, I don't know that's just i think just trying to get everything in there which was a, maybe a smart it was a smart marketing choice i would uh, say definitely yeah i, I
1: I think uh, I think it's definitely just a sequel, to be honest, because all of those things happen just just because it doesn't beat uh, beat all this shit down your throat like a lot of stuff we're sort of used to uh, in sequels. I think it just it touches on what it needs to to still be considered a sequel and not a reboot, like seeing all those people, and then it just moves sort of uh, forward. I I think where it gets confusing is obviously it's not Mel Gibson being Max anymore; it's mm. now Tom uh, Tom Hardy. So. Um, but I do. I think. I, I. I mean. I feel like, at least to me, it felt straight sequel. It felt like this dude, uh, the most impressive seventy year old man ever, uh, <laughs> just decided <laughs> to take something that he really loved and and just throw everything at the wall, but like do it very artfully and not mm. not just see what stuck, just notice that everything stuck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to both agree and disagree because I think that. I, it feels like the films are less, you know, concerned about chronology and, you know, even continuity. And like in this this day and age, you know, we're all we're all fans of the MCU. We or, just we or, just love the continuity. And Matt, you can you can say you can talk about the MCU with abandon, and nobody's gonna like really get mad no at you. No one's about... gonna
1: no one's gonna hit me under the table or put it like another bamboo <laughs> shoot under a toe. No, That's
0: not amazing. here. It's it's <laughs> wonderful. Oh
1: my god, <laughs> freedom! Freedom. <laughs> freedom I've never felt. We're gonna to have to go into an eleven-hour conversation about uh, how Squirrel Girl has actually been uh, working to defeat Thanos all along. <laughs>
0: okay, that'll be a separate episode. That's it. but no, I'm gonna say that the film is actually it's it's part of an epic poem, sort of. It's like Gilgamesh in that it's it's less concerned with continuity and it's and you know it, this this happens and then you know and then th- in this movie, this movie, this movie, it's about this mythic figure from the post-apocalyptic world that just sort of goes on all these adventures and he you know he's ageless he's timeless he is an eternal he's an eternal creature who just is everything to everybody depending on who is who is speaking it. he's sort of he's a he's a, he's a uh word of mouth he's he gets passed down from generation to generation by those people called the first history men that we, we are briefly aware of at the beginning at the end and uh that miss kitty character I'm gonna I'm gonna say that,
1: and I don't. Well, have you a, didn't give us just to be fair, Steve. You didn't give uh, Marchetti or myself the option of epic poem. You gave us a bunch of things like reboot. <laughs> yeah, cool I would have totally uh, chose you know, epic so, poem. Yeah, well, you, I, we all would have chose epic poem. Well, so you, you set okay, us up yeah, to yeah, fail. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you I'm the I'm,
0: I'm the I'm the host here. I got to make myself look smart and stuff. You know, <laughs> there, I have the questions. Fair, oh, you do. You're shaking <laughs> shaking, paper shaking right the now, papers. Angry. Shaking the papers. What we do know is that this movie. Made a lot of money and it won a lot of awards at the Oscars that year. Not the best picture winner. That went to Spotlight, but it did pick up six out of a total ten nominations. Either Matt, do you know what do you know what it won?
3: Yeah, a lot of technical awards, if I remember correctly. Yes. The, yeah, that's a vague answer. That's a very vague to, answer. <laughs> you're it, just it, it you're won stalling. a lot of not best picture. You're stall uh, you're stalling. Yeah. I I don't remember. I don't right. remember. I think it was I, I think it was Hold on. Let me. Can I Can I guess? I think I, yes, I, think you I might guess. remember. Well, I, I'm going to. You, you tell me if I'm wrong. So, editing, yes. costume design, production design, all the sound yep. stuff, sound editing and mixing, and then maybe one more. I don't know. That That's not six, right? That was only five. Uh, it was five. Uh,
0: makeup and ha- makeup slash hair. And it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, yep. and Best Visual Effects, which. Okay, Best Picture went to Spotlight. Um that's a bunch of bullshit, actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Croll, I know you think that's a bunch of bullshit. You've talked about that movie twice now on your podcast and on our podcast. You can I feel find... like
1: I've talked about it on on half of the podcasts I've been on. And I know one day it's going to come back and bite me in the ass like I'm going to meet the director of Spotlight and I'm going to have to tell him that I I hate his film. Uh it doesn't mean I hate him. Uh I just, you know, I I just really um I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, and okay, let's 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 just call a Spade a Spade about Spotlight. And again, I, I actually even just after saying it, like I don't like the movie or I think it's a bad film. I, that, I, let's take it back. I don't think that. I'm just more angry. I think it's a average movie. I think it does everything. it toes the line, it does whatever. Like it's not incompetent. It's not a, a poorly made film. It's just nothing special. And and that's uh, wow. Well, I feel like I tried to soften my insult, and I feel like I just made it worse. <laughs> um, but that's what it, I mean. Obviously, the people making Spotlight knew what they were doing, and they made the thing they wanted to make. I just think, in the grand scheme of things, that have been made, uh, Mad Max: Fury Road on on every possible conceivable level uh, has just surpasses Spotlight. Um, being that, and again, I don't even think it's because of my sort of or or the three of us are more sort of, I guess, maybe action sensibilities. I, I, and I don't think, because I, I, as an action movie, Mad Max is great, but it, what makes it get beyond all the sort of like spectacle film that we normally see is all of the stuff we listed beforehand. It's it's It has a, an incredible amount of meaning and beauty behind it, and not only behind it, but like on the screen with composition. I mean, all the awards it won, is proof of that, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just the Mad Max is the Thanksgiving dinner of film, and like Spotlight is like Tuesday at Sizzler. So, like, <laughs> that's that's my equation.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, I,
0: I lost Sizzler, Sizzler's Sizzle yeah. great. Lost best pitcher, lost best director to oh, um, you know, I to that year who went, uh. Went back to back that year for the Revenant, and as well as lost to the Revenant, which I will give the in cinematography. I'll give the Revenant cinematography, but I think just the fact that it the um, and I do hate to use this the lack of in your face look at how beautiful this film is of Mad Max Fury Road, and it's and it's a beautiful film, but it doesn't just rub it in your face as much as the Revenant does. I. I feel like that should have been taken into consideration more. Revenant, well,
1: the, the, doesn't the doesn't the Academy just love things rubbed in its face? Like, isn't that it what they totally go like? That's that's it. it. It's like it's
2: yes, it's,
0: yes. And there and there's a conversation that we could have right now about why the Academy votes for the things it votes for because everything you know because they have a quote unquote Oscar type type movie and Mad Max Fury Road. I think simply by its by its name is not going to be that. in a film like Spotlight, which is about mm. Journalism and the
1: uh, integrity it, 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 and the it, Catholic woo. Church being awful. Like it has all the things. It, uh, child abuse. Yes. I uh, didn't
3: you know what I didn't know how bad the Catholic Church was until I saw that movie. So I actually think it deserved to win Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one had a clue. No one suspects <laughs> so um, not for
0: two thousand years we didn't figure yeah. that out. No. Oh
3: my god. Uh, yeah. But you, know oh, you know what irks me about the cinematography? You know what irks me? And I and I'm a big fan of uh the DP on The Revenant, Emmanuel Lubezki, but mm-hmm. he won the previous year for Birdman and it was the same style of cinematography, that floating camera thing. That's yeah. great. And he's attached it,
1: on natural lighting.
3: One. So I feel like, you know, let's 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 share the wealth a little bit here and he's he's kind of becoming like an Academy darling. He's got the Terrence Malick films and other things. So I just feel like Gravity, right? And mm-hmm. You Know, let's then they don't do that, they don't like to share the wealth all that often, unless it's like a you know, kind of like a handout. Um, I'm yeah. thinking like Adrian Brody and the Pianist, or something like that. As much as I like the pianist, it really felt like you're like, let's give it to this Adrian Brody guy, he certainly won't start later <laughs> <musical> on. <laughs> and he did,
2: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I like that movie. And finally, Mad Max, it was also nominated for Best Visual Effects. which... I can I can see the academy not going for because it, again it is not in your face a lot it, most of the effects here are all practical, which calls for, calls for another conversation of why are there not why is there not a stunt category uh, for yeah the, oh yeah <laughs> and the, uh, the and the and the effects are mostly just like background stuff making uh, Namibia look really sure I think hellscape. I
1: th- I think um, one thing, because I, I just watched it right before we started this thing, just to rewatch it, because any chance I can get to watch this movie, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And um, the only time, and I, the transfer is different everywhere. When you see it in the theater versus you see it on, a, on Blu-ray or whatever at home based on your television and, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the thing I noticed this time around and I've noticed in the past is a lot of times when there is a lot of compositing, uh, it does feel overly flat. It, and I mm-hmm. think it's because you're so used to the depth that the practical effects sort of give you when it's, uh, the scene in particular I'm thinking of is when Max jumps on the Doof Warriors, uh, like, music van uh, and is uh, fighting with the guitar and jumping around and, like, all that stuff. Like, they just seem, like, cut, like, like uh, like basically things that are roto out and slapped on top of each other as opposed mm-hmm. to all the other insane stunts with Tom Hardy on a pole on cars <laughs> that are driving in the deck, like, it's just, when you have that stuff uh, I think even the best CG is going to be like you're going to you're going to break your your sort of belief structure for a little mm-hmm. bit.
0: So, um, so they say comedy is tragedy over time. You know, uh, classic movies are um, you know the film and that and they and they need they need time to to simmer as well. And yet, would you guys agree that this movie, as soon as you left the theater, a you probably wanted to see it again, and b this was automatically considered a classic, despite having no no time to to really to really find its audience,
3: yeah. And I think role, you were just talking about it it just being sort of a standout movie in a lot of regards, yeah, to, to me, I mean, it was entertaining. and I walked out feeling like I had seen something kind of new or at least a connection of parts that made it feel like something almost completely new. And I watch a lot of action movies. and combined, we watch a lot of action movies and yeah. I was rewatching it again right before this, and it still gets me going. I know what's coming exactly because I've seen it like four or five times now, and yet it still sort of gets me going. It gets my blood pumping. It's, I get excited, and it's almost like I'm watching the movie for the first time every time I see it because it's so just visually exciting.
1: Yeah, the, there's something there's something to it, and I can't place it. And even my favorite, like I've watched Civil War probably like uh, god nine ten times at this point and mm-hmm. like i love it each time but it's that that sort of like oh i'm finding new like subtle nuances that i sort of like mm-hmm. or i'm just whatever but mad max fury road I, I don't know what it is if it's the color palette or the or the or the or the, the the cinematography or the acting or it's probably just the, the, the you know it's the stew it's everything but like mm-hmm. it does I, I can't name a film that feels more like the first time you've seen it than Mad Max: Fury Road every time you've seen it, and that's I, I've never actually been able to place that Marchetti and that's that's actually a great that's a great um, sort of um, idea. That's a great sort of uh, revelatory uh, <laughs> uh, segment mm-hmm. thing that I'm I can't even place the word for, but I think that's a hundred percent accurate. It's just it's so it is it's so it feels new every damn time. Fine.
0: <laughs> I'm always finding I'm I'm always finding something new in it. There's just little touches mm-hmm. here and there. It's like so, sometimes I'm like, uh, I just watch a movie. and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pay attention to the war boys. What are the war boys doing? How do they look? What are their what are their chess symbols mean, et cetera? And it's just it's there's so much you can read into it. And I think I think what it is is that we're so used to movies that are, you know, they're they're rolled out very quickly. You know, every sequels come out every two or three years. Right. And like especially, and you know, I love the Marvel movies, but they can they follow a lot of the same beats and i i i love especially
1: them. In, yeah in the, in the middle of in the middle of uh phase 2
0: yeah mm-hmm. and i and I, I i still love them to death but you know you know what you're getting but here there's it's mm-hmm. something unique and new and i it is one of those it's it's this thing where i realized this is a movie that will inspire kids to make movies because it is filmmaking distilled down it it's all of the elements that you you know you have to corral the costuming the effects the stunts the actors the script everything, and it just it does it so perfectly that I think you just have to watch this watch any behind the scenes footage and you're just you're just you're just good to go and I feel like we don't get a lot of a lot of stuff like that all the elements work together yeah. and enhance one another. That it it becomes something really really special and yeah every time you watch it it's still something you know I've watched it on the big screen I've watched it on small screens it still it still gets me Matt uh, Marchetti. oh my god uh, you watch yeah. um you watched the black and chrome version right
3: yeah I watched I watched both a couple times now yeah, how yeah. is that yeah how
0: I, I have not seen it and you know what I've, I'm hesitant to because the color palette of this film is so rich. And beautiful that it feels like it's a waste to not have that because the the, the wasteland itself is a is a character in this yeah. movie. What does the black and chrome so, version do? So so uh,
3: uh, caveat here: I am colorblind, so <laughs> uh, uh-huh! I I obviously still see colors, but I don't think that I, I process them. But I can still sort of appreciate the contrast and everything that's going on, and it's still very colorful. I'll say that it's it's very obvious that when the color shifts. Things like that, um, so there, that's on the that's on the on the table. Just just to be upfront with everybody listening, um, I found that the black and chrome version, seeing it after seeing the the color version, um, feels like almost a completely different movie. I found myself just testing this out second time watching the black black and chrome version, turning the volume all the way down and seeing if it still plays well as like a silent film. <laughs> Almost like
2: ragtime, oh.
3: ragtime, piano in the background, and I'll tell you this: other than, um, you know, some key kind of big moments, but the score, it's still damn exciting with with no sound effects. And I mean, hmm. very fascinating how that that manages to be.
1: I'm surprised on that version they don't just have a track that's just the score. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just having so this, because I, I could see that being fun, amazing too. That would be that would yeah, it
0: would oh be yes. kind of fantastic. As I recall, this movie was—it was basically storyboarded first, and then they wrote the script around it. So, it like, so it works on a, just a purely visual level. It's one of the most visual, just affecting pieces of cinema I've—I've—I've I've, I've seen. So, and man, now I want to see that.
1: I know that feeling. Yeah, cool. That feeling really cool. is definitely. This movie is visceral. It it is it is. I, I don't want to say action is an action movie. I mean action is in the the happenings that we're witnessing due to the cinematography. It is action first. It and and I think it, it, that suits not only the you know it makes it for an interesting watch, but also that really does suit the narrative that they're trying to to take. I mean the way that all of these characters and the way the world they 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 seamlessly build, uh, with all of their all of the different things coming together perfectly like you f- this world feels real and lived in even though it is phenomenally odd and different from our own or uh, so it's just it's something that's very very uh, I can't praise it enough for that sort of stuff
0: yeah um and it's also at 2 hours it is a tight movie and like I just got I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 and I loved it and, you know, there's a there's some there's some fat to it. It's like over two hour movies.
1: So you I shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> <What>?
0: <laughs> I love it. I, it was a lot of fun, but it uh, once again, once again, don't, don't, don't. No, don't. I,
1: I, I've, I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have issues with it too. I didn't ha- particularly have issues uh, with its length. Uh, I actually, I found myself when I left the theater, being like, holy shit. I was like, I didn't realize it was that long. Right. Um. But I, uh, yeah, you know.
0: Okay. Was, now, was, uh, ca- uh, now, caveat: I did actually go see this with my daughter, who was like three months old. So she was oh, like, kind yeah,
1: of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there, there we was go. there there was a little bit of that. Ent- yeah.
0: Great movie. There's some.
1: What What'd she think of it?
0: Oh, she you know she she slept through half. <laughs>
2: She's she's she through you the. Know ex- you know
1: what? I, you know what? You know I liked the kid before. Now I'm not so sure, Steve. I just I don't know.
0: I gotta say that I I I, I I have to say it's one of my favorite third acts of a Marvel movie. I thought I thought it came together really well. Yeah. Really, just just really great. But uh, get, getting back, Matt Kroll, Yeah. You are an editor. Well, I was. You were. You, you, yes, you were. Um, I know how to edit. Let's do it. Okay. You 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 know how to edit. <laughs> how does the editing drive this story forward?
1: Uh, In a lot of cool ways, but also what it does, and this is something that uh, I think even, and it's funny because this movie I would never call flashy, though it has a ton of stuff that really draws and captures your attention. Uh, The editing in this film is, is the best kind of editing, and that is that you don't even notice that it's there, and things feel, unless you're looking at it from an incredibly technical perspective, uh, things feel so fluid again in this insane, constantly moving world, because uh, the whole damn thing is a car chase. So, <laughs> um, to 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 just be able to make something that's so kinetic feel uh, incredibly smooth between the shots is something that is it's. I mean, it's a masterclass in in any sort of uh, action editing. Like it, you, I was, what was it? It was during, uh, again, it was during the, the final sort of um, uh, the final segment of the chase when like everything's hitting the fan and they're going back. Uh, and it was right after, um, it was right as Tom Hardy got onto the, the pole, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 swing pole or whatever. Pole cat. The, yeah, the pole cat. And the way that it cut between a mid shot, a close shot and the wide shot, like it was like. I actually, I actually, this time I stopped it and rewound it because I was like, that worked so well. I was like, why did that work well? And it, and it basically, it, it did something that uh, I don't think enough action uh, sequences do. Is that each shot, it didn't, it didn't do it like a like a pull out sort of thing. Like, oh, we see his face, and then we see it mid, and then we see it wide and whoa, explosion. <laughs> it kind of decided on at what point in. I, I would take, and again, this is just me. Uh, you know, this is just a sort of uh, internal monologue. I think that maybe the editor thought uh, when with with the swing on the upswing versus the downswing, uh, he chose the sort of best moments to illustrate probably what uh, Tom Hardy or Mad Max was sort of like the 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 feeling he was getting almost in his gut. Because you know, I don't know if you've ever sort of, sort of swung on a big thing or like even when you go over a hill in a car and you come back down, there's that like the pit in your stomach. Whatever your key, your center of gravity is, like whoa. The way and the way he <laughs> cut it together gave you that feeling, and it's like, okay, dude, like no one's doing this shit. It, it's like it's it's uh, a mind blowing experience, and those things are spread throughout the entirety of this movie. And if you uh, if you don't stop and look for it, you're gonna miss it. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Ferris. Thanks, thanks, Ferris. <laughs> uh, so, say Ferris, everybody.
3: Uh,
0: uh, Marchetti. Do you have any do you have any notes on the editing that you wanted to you wanted to touch upon?
3: well, it's a, maybe just a piggyback on on the the comments about editing. I think again, as someone who's watched a lot of action films really appreciates good action when it's done well um and I think this plays right into to what Kroll was saying about the editing. Uh, there's a real sense of um, kind of geography in in the action sequences, mm-hmm. you, you know where everyone is, you know where all the players are, and I think that, that goes hand-in-hand, hand. Steve. What you were saying about the storyboarding, it's very clear where things are, and as you watch them move around, these really claustrophobic and crazy settings, um, you, you're always sort of with it. You, you sort of know what's going on, and that has a lot to do with editing. It has, it has to do with cinematography, and it has to do with, with really good planning, but there's a, a sense of movement during... Even uh, kind of a small sequence like Max uh, kind of fist fighting Furiosa. It's it's really, I was paying attention to that scene again because it's easy to get lost in the shuffle of all the explosions and car crashes and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's edited and put together so well with just everything, music, and it just comes together. Every hit has so much impact to it. It's because you know where they are at all times. You're not kind of disoriented
2: with anything
3: that's happening. And that would have been so easy for that mistake to happen because it just would be. Right. You're, you're literally staging action sequences on and around cars that are moving almost all the time <laughs> that's pretty damn hard to do for anybody yeah. let alone to do like crawl, like you're saying the entire movie that way yeah. <laughs> yeah. and for it to be coherent and not just completely insane i mean it is completely insane but it's coherent too. yeah, yeah. Coherent
0: i know insanity is, is not a but... <laughs> not an easy thing to do <laughs> it's, yeah i, th- no, I mean it's, it's part of it yeah yeah i think we've been um I don't want to say spoiled but i will say ruined by decades of jason Bourne shaky cam bullshit for fist fights. like i love like i like i love fate i love fate of the furious but the prison fight scene where the rock and jason statham are, are busting out oh yeah oh my god that is just they're just flinging the camera
1: oh just back and
0: forth back and forth and
2: it's so... and when
1: did when did when did it become a signature move of them to do a 180 and a slam like i I just so that's just the thing that's gonna happen every time now like yeah
0: (laughs) it's it's so refreshing to see a movie that is confident in it the ability of its actors or stuntmen to just do the thing that they have to do and not have to hide it behind shaky cam or really quick editing you know that that, uh that fight scene you mentioned you know when furiosa and max first meet is brilliant and also i have to i have to give give kudos to the sound the sound mixing right there every you feel every hit every pull of the chain chain. right oh Oh, the, the, the the even the breaking of the clay around the gun and the way the bullets just they fire it just it just it works on such a great visceral level that i think to you would ruin all of that good great stuff if you just toss the camera back and forth all all around them, and didn't have yeah. a coherent coherent plan
1: for that. Also, let's talk about Shirley Theron for a minute because oh, yeah. we talked about Fast Date uh, or, uh, or Fate or whatever the fuck. Uh, and <laughs> she has, I mean, she has. I, I I think I can say she's at least in top three, and she might be top what? She might be my favorite working actress. She's she. Is able to chameleon between uh, so many different roles, and Furiosa is—I mean, this is this is the true—the um, truth of this movie is Furiosa is the main character. Like, of, yeah, there's yeah. no question, and that I think this actually plays into Steve your sort of epic poem, Gilgamesh sort of uh, sort of uh, explanation of what this actually is, because Max is more of a. Uh, uh, he's not a catalyst he's along for the ride and he's sort of our our eyes into this sort of thing as if we were being a helpful hero but not like the main hero mm-hmm. and that's something yes. that i don't think people really expected i think um I, you know you it's funny and i mean this could talk into even um you know the state of um uh you know if it's not like a lead uh male white dude you know it's not marketable, like. Uh, it's it, it's it's annoying to say, but like if this was just called Furiosa, or something like that, like even if it if it was like everyone knew it was a sequel to Mad Max, like it wouldn't have gotten as much shine at least initially, uh, and that sucks. <laughs> um, and I hopefully you know with more performances like this, people will feel more with more performances like Shirley's Throne, uh, will people will feel more, uh, will let less like pussies. Uh, to, <laughs> to to That's like, an
3: interesting uh, word choice. <laughs>
1: It is, because, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like, I don't know, it, it, it bugs, it bugs <laughs> They need to get me. over
3: themselves, they need to get over themselves, I yeah. mean, and I, I agree with everything you're saying, particularly with, with her just as an actress, I mean, look at the, the movie she's got coming out, Atomic Blonde, I mean, it's basically
0: yeah. like oh, yeah.
3: John Wick, but with her as John Wick, and I mean, it yeah. looks fucking awesome, like, so, I, I I'm, I'm totally with it, and I mean, it doesn't. It, action is action. It's exciting regardless. It's, I mean, action is just bodies sort of flying around, anyways. So it right.
2: really,
3: it's not really gendered, or it shouldn't be gendered. Yeah. Uh, I think it's sort of, you know, just a tradition that it would be male characters or male. Right. You know.
1: But, yeah, I just thought of the New York Times called action bodies flying around. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, though, man. I, I, mean. know, I know. But, but, but action, if, but, you know, I
0: like, yes, the, the, Action of action is not gendered, but the way society, you know, se- you know, segments things, it like it very much is a gendered construct, as it were. And to have a character like like Furiosa, who is tough and capable, who hints at vulnerability here, not and, and not for any romantic reasons or anything like that, but just oh, thank God that didn't happen. To oh, okay. Furiosa, lining up a shot. On Tom Hardy's shoulder, I think, is one of the most romantic things, yeah. Ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I, like oh, that. Yeah, like, that's just, like, that's just, that's so just, that's sexy. That's great first date material, right yeah. there. There is a question that comes up at least twice during the movie, and it speaks to the to the, I think, the the theme of feminism and whatnot. And that is, guys, who killed the world?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, we did
1: it. We, we did, did it. it. We did. We did it. <laughs> Woo. Um, it's Woo. hard, and it, you know it sucks. It sucks that we're three straight white dudes, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. talking, trying to talk feminism. We need, we need some women in this. We need. I actually, I need to. This whole conversation has gotten me thinking more about. Well, a friend of the show, Jessica Tucker, who is Mother um, Tucker, mother, uh, mother Tucker. She, uh, she is. You can follow her, at Mother Tucker, on Twitter. Uh, she is the most. How do I put it? Uh, she always finds, and not necessarily just in a, in a feminist way, just. It, 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 it's just in a in a in a way that I never possibly think about, just new angles to see films. And I would love for her. I need to have her give her some homework and watch this and and talk to me about it because it's she is a delight and she always comes up with something new and fresh. And it would be I don't know. I'd like to yeah. I'd like to hear her thoughts yeah.
0: and seven pages of notes
1: at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tons of notes. Yeah, everyone t- t- tweet tweet her mother Tucker and say uh, Kroll says watch Fury Road. <laughs> She'd be like, what the fuck
2: is this? <laughs> yeah.
0: But okay, so we have Furiosa as this embodiment of all of like strong, independent, capable, badass woman. What what do the wives represent?
1: You mean a full, a fully fleshed out female character? Yes, I mean a (laughs) a completely
0: three dimensional, one armed heresy. (laughs) One armed character. uh, But 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 they are not the. uh, She's not the only woman in this in this movie. We have the wives.
1: What do you? Hmm. Yeah. What's... the interesting thing about the wives, I think, is, <laughs> is is Furiosa is the end of the wives' journey, if that makes sense. The wives are purely—I mean, you could you could even break this down into um, like how women are sort of treated in film, if you really want to get weirdly side meta with it. They start as basically concubines because they're hot mm-hmm. and they're baby makers, for lack of a better term, and then uh, they they decide enough is enough and they escape with Furiosa's help. And by the time all this adventure is over. Uh, those that survive uh, have all sort of changed to be more like her, which is a more complete actual human right. as opposed to a sex toy. So, um, and there, and there's you know there's visual cues throughout, like when she cuts off the chastity belt. There's you know different cues when like they each sort of take on roles. Like one of them takes the one of the um the the women that they meet in the desert, like the 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 case of seeds, and kind of becomes like that mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Like, so like there there's there's they they learn and they grow and they become they become human again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they and they start off as different I, I was it was no sense. They start off as different aspects of femininity each yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have yeah. um you have uh, Rosie Hunting Whitley. she's the uh she's the 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 life giver. She's the one who's pregnant. You have um uh, I think it's Riley Keo as uh, capable who's by the way my my favorite uh who is the um not, not maternal but like the the love the, she's like the other half she's the one who who brings Nux back from his you know his his brainwashing essentially you have um Dag uh who is Abby, you, Abby Lee Abby yeah Lee. Abby, Abby Lee as um she's the more of the like the particular witch character she's that strange mm-hmm. kind of creepy one uh you have uh, Cheeto you have Cheeto the innocent and and then you have um uh, toast the knowing. Zoe Kravitz, who's the who's who's the who's the wise one who can like figure out the bullets, et cetera. Are you
1: gonna go my way? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you just had <laughs> to pay royalties. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. And I, I,
0: um, I was not impressed with Rosie Huntington Whitley in whatever Transformers movie she was in because that's oh, that'd be three. That'd be three. Is that I mean, dark, is that dark, Was that Dark <laughs> yeah, of the I don't Moon keep or? I
1: don't keep track of that. I don't know. I don't know the <laughs> subtitle name of it. It's the one before Mark Wahlberg. It's oh, okay. The one—it's the one without Megan Fox, but the one before—it be, uh, still has Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> before, man, <laughs> casting is great.
2: <laughs> It's—I'm
1: surprised you've never hey, told. Ta- la- hmm? Yeah, the last night coming out soon. Everyone, be sure to watch that fucking. Hey, Dude. marchetti do you want to? Should we should go to yeah, Texas? Yeah, let's
3: see it. Let's just see it.
1: <laughs> uh, again, going off the Lone Star joke, I can tie this back into film. Uh, Marquetti and I and a couple people saw. Uh, the fourth Transformer movie, the Alamo Draft House in uh, in Austin, Austin, Texas, and uh, it was like right after we landed too. It was like, oh, what do we want to do first in Austin? Let's go feel awful about the state of action movies. Uh, uh, but the Alamo Draft House is lovely. If you have oh, chance, it's, it's it's
0: it's uh, so lovely. Yeah. And two and a half hours later, you you emerged.
1: Yeah. What on earth was it changed? I, what was oh um
0: yeah, I wasn't impressed with her. She is great in this movie. Yeah.
2: Uh, the, the,
1: director skill
0: such great director skill
1: ah oh, it's uh, a wonderful
0: fem- i believe it was called a feminist revolt film because at the end what happens they tear down the the old the old barbaric patriarchy and are assumed to we will we will hope that the a uh, some sort of matriarchal society with furiosa in charge and you know and where there's more equality and whatnot ar- arises which uh, which just bring me to uh, I've given the current state of um we'll say Washington. America. Everything's great, Steve. Everything's great, but everything's think, fine. Everything <laughs> everything's fine. fine. Everything's fine. We're it's good, good friends. We're the best friends. Three best friends. Yeah, I, ca- I can't help but read some um, symbolism into the current state of affairs in this film. For instance, we have a fat, untalented dictator with bad hair who treats women like objects and who sends others to do his dirty work, more or less. And who Uh, says
1: insane things like, don't feel addicted to water because then you'll you'll, you'll, uh, you'll regret its absence or you'll uh, resent its absence.
0: So fat, untalented dictator uh, goes up against a um, more than capable and very well-regarded, intelligent, and uh, with a a great uh, history uh, female. Who is ostensibly blonde, and what i love what I loved about this movie is that i got the i got I got the satisfaction of watching that blonde not uh, not metaphorically but literally ripping that dude's face off, which is something that I wish metaphorically had happened in November because
1: i mean it would have been world... amazing if if Hillary just screamed witness me and then like <laughs> body slammed. Trump off of a off of a a chain like a cage match WWE style that would have been amazing. I mean, he would have been no stranger to that. He's already trained in that.
0: That, That's true. That's
1: witness me (laughs) (laughs) from the top.
0: That's another thing. The Miller is confident in your intelligence, member, and your intelligence as an audience that he doesn't have to explain why the War Boys call witness. He doesn't have to explain why the uh, Volvolini do that little thing with their hands, where they like grab a soul and bring it back to their heart. He's just going to assume that you know, yeah, and an I that you're not an idiot. And it's so it's so great yeah. for just for once having that in a movie where that just treats you like an intelligent person who can figure things out on its own. 100. Uh,
1: 100. percent agree. Yes. Oh. Okay. Oh.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> um, what, uh, 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 what do you guys think make of the music here
3: <laughs> <laughs> Marchetti just has this <laughs> has this look <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, was, I was talking about this a little bit earlier but I I made I wanted to pay specific attention to the music because I for some reason thought it was nominated but it was not and I was like you know what, I'm gonna Damn listen. Shame. I, remember, I remember liking it and there was like the at least three moments where it, re- it gets really like like opera like it gets just right. so big the sandstorm sequence when it really gets orchestral and huge um the towards the end in the a- the final action sequence and then there was one more moment during um it was probably during oh i know what it was it was during the sequence with the uh the uh the motorcycle motor oh, cycle. Cycle.
0: oh so yeah yeah
3: over each other and it just, it, it breaks into this really orchestral stuff. And it
0: just, I wow, so was, like
3: losing it, listening to it. And, I mean, wow, it just, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, some, there's some sort of, you know, the, the kind of the metallic clanging sound effects and stuff that kind of keep it going. But those moments where it gets really, when the movie's getting as big as it can be, I think that the music just nails it, completely nails it. Yep.
1: And they narratively throw the the reason why a lot of the music is in it, like the Duke Warrior and his whole his whole uh, truck of drums and guitars and whatnot and his guitar. I mean, it's it's so. I mean, you can obviously make the tie to like a, a fight for like something that like uh, mm. the you know old colonial times and something. There'd be someone playing something marching in the front of a battle, like to like mm-hmm. let you know that you did you're fucking coming, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the ballsiest moves in war. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and here you have. Um, you have um mortis joe throw this guy and this truck of fucking metal awesomeness in the front and like when you see like wide shots like if the music is hitting hard in the close and you see the wide of like everything like the music is now in the it's like you know it's
3: fans yeah yep uh
1: and i love that so much because (laughs) i mean nothing is more uh assertive than uh, throwing a giant uh, flaming guitarist on bungee cords with a face wrap (laughs) over his face and accompanied by 12 giant uh, muscle-brown war boy drummers and just putting it in the front of your motorcade. (laughs) You know, if Trump was creative, uh, that would be something that I feel he might want to do. Uh, Or I I I guess see it happen. He's listening.
0: Like man, like I don't know if I like I don't know if I would be mad at that. I think it might be a waste of government resources. Like, can't get so mad.
1: It wouldn't be more of a waste than what's going on. It would be a slight less (laughs) waste because at least we'd be like, oh, well, at least he knows what looks cool.
3: There you go. And it's not ties
1: that go to your knees. Uh, I digress. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) gas masks made of human teeth. Just, just you really gotta get on the ball. Yep. Yep.
0: Would appreciate you so much more, um, Marchetti, That uh, the canyon sequence, I think, is one of my favorite sequences of like any action movie. It's the marriage of music, of choreography. All those people like jumping over a moving truck on bikes oh, is, it's just astounding. It's just the action, the way Furiosa and Max are finally starting to work together, and they just like they're like awesome Patico and stuff. It's it's just. Oh so so fantastic and and the and the fact that we actually you know at the end of it we do lose one of the wives we lose um we we lose a, a splendid it just it drives everything forward literally which is what everything in this movie does it just goes forward and forward even when it's going when it's coming back in on itself it's it's still moving <laughs> forwards <laughs> which is which is amazing it's so tightly wound up into every into all the plot and all of the character and even all the technical work that it just it just it just comes out working and feeling like the best thing i like i will say that uh, mad max fury road as we are winding down is the best action movie of the last decade the best english action movie of the last decade probably the best action movie since the matrix in 1999 which also changed the game up a little bit and, and of course I will say The Raid probably squeaks in like a very close number two because I fucking love The Raid
1: if there's, if there's, one, if there's one I agree with all that, if there's one sort of negative and this isn't a blight on, on the movie itself, it's actually a blight on us as the audience, um, The Matrix changed the way we look at and, and the way that we sort of did action movies and people got it right and people got it wrong but at least people tried it I have not seen people trying to make an action movie with as much going on and a, a, a complete film in every sense of that word uh i haven't seen people trying to do it it seems it seems as though uh whatever lessons that can be gleaned from this from major hollywood's uh, action stuff is not being taken to heart or or not completely being taken yeah. to heart and uh uh i feel like uh it's that's i mean that's a combination that's our fault that's the studio's fault that's the way people experience the movie's fault i don't know it it's uh it's it's and it's a shame because you look at the matrix and like oh they changed it and yeah we got some schlock but we got some great stuff too where this i feel like we haven't gotten either so we haven't really pushed the medium forward like mm-hmm. the matrix
0: did it, it has only been 2 years so far but i think that definitely has more to do with the nature of the studio system as it is nowadays which is so sure, sure, obsessed sure. with you know the big you know everyone wants a comic book movie yeah, like even even fury road is getting a, is getting a sequel but I am curious, but it won't have the eighteen-year lead time that this one did because it's been—it's it's, been—it it's been was in production in some some form or another for almost two decades before it finally was released. And i I hope it. I don't know if it will influence things in the immediate, but in twenty or so years, when somebody, when a kid who's watching Fury Road now, right, gets inspired and gets. You know, makes a movie. I think I think we're gonna start seeing a lot of uh, stuff like this incorporated. I think we're gonna see a return to basics, not minimalist, but the practical practical effects in in terms of practical effects and stunts in terms of filmmaking. Because man, watching this even you know, seven eight times now, however however many it's been, it still hits every time. Mm. And there's this yeah. the sense of immediacy and realism to it that. You, I, that again, I love the Marvel movies, but and there's you know there's some there's a lot of weightless there's a lot of weightlessness there, and there's yeah so much it's beauty in it. It's but it's very different. It's very different. So guys, as we come to it, did Mad Max Fury Road deserve to win Best Picture in 2015? Is it is it a silly question to ask? It felt it felt yeah, silly coming we out. Already,
1: of I think we, yeah, asked it we already did show. that. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. What if what if we just said no? <laughs>
0: be bo- that'd be baller all right
1: then
3: I, yeah. then I hung up then i just hung up
1: yeah well <laughs> yeah. this is okay fun. okay no, so of course of course of course, course of course it's it, it's there's no question in my mind and and this goes beyond my um tepid response to spotlight uh it's just out of all of the films this is uh, you you can't even argue i i would love to hear the argument uh, from and maybe Hill, maybe Shahir will will give it to, <laughs> give it to me. Uh, but the argument that says any of the films that were in that category are better than this, I'd love to hear why, uh, from anyone's perspective. You can you can email me in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail dot com, uh, or you know email Steve and Matt as well. Just because I think these are conversations I would love to. I'd love to get into a flame war with people about this. Is what oh, I'm yeah. saying. I would so.
0: love to hear that flame war. I believe <laughs> I believe and, and, and Matt Grohl, at least for your hundredth episode. You and your your guests on there basically all agree that yeah it's Fury Road that's the movie that's going to stand the test of time
1: like uh, of... Th- we we I was I picked that one I believe uh, and everyone else was so close to picking it but they had their own individual sort of uh, different things I think Shahir picked OJ's Made in America uh, and uh, I re-
0: I remember that I, and I was also thinking is that actually a movie that's
1: Let's boring. not get into that. <laughs> Let's not get into it. It's too painful. It's too soon. I can talk about Spotlight because it's been two years. Uh, the, the OJ made America. Great documentary. Great documentary. Uh, too long. Yes,
0: yes. So guys, what will its legacy be, Mad Max Fury Road? Uh...
3: Uh, I mean, I, I I it sounds weird. I'm just gonna say it, and I don't know if it makes sense, but I feel like the movie is its own legacy like it's just I mean not even just the, the, the three films before it but just itself I, I feel like people were excited about this movie without really knowing that much about it and it was like we were talking about this at the very beginning that people who wouldn't normally see something like this saw it um so to me it's just this sort of insanity this like just primal insanity that is in every frame of this movie I think that is sort of what the legacy is going to be. And I, and I hope, Steve, like you were saying, I hope that we'll see, like, a resurgence in practical effects and stunt work. I think we're, we're seeing that to a degree with um, two movies I, I love, both John Wick and John Wick 2, and it looks like with Atomic Blonde, which is one of the same directors, we're sort of following suit by having stuntmen doing stunts, and, mm-hmm. and it looks real, and you can see what they're doing, because it is real. Um, so maybe we're already seeing its legacy you know, come forth. We just we haven't really recognized it yet. Yeah. Hypothetical. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I, that's that's. I agree. Oh, okay. Nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. I mean, I feel like I kind of said my answers. You know, before I. It's. It's. It will be. It will be. Uh. I think this is one of those movies that's gonna like not ever fully disappear. But whenever mm. someone brings it up, it's not only gonna be like, Hey, I remember that. It's gonna be like, Hey, I want to watch that again. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's not. It's not just going to be a memory. It's going to be an active experience for a, a hell of a long time um, mm-hmm. until the actual apocalypse happens, and then we're actually living it.
2: Right,
0: and then we'll and then we'll look back at this as sort of historical records. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll like I like Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Maybe yeah.
3: George Miller is the first history man.
0: Oh, oh man. man, we
3: witnessed him. Witness.
0: Oh man. Um, ultimately, <laughs> the legacy of Fury Road, Matt I, Marchetti, uh, I, I do I I do think that yes it's it is its own legacy, that is great. I also think this is, I you know what, I think losing best pitcher is the is one of the best things that could have happened to this because if it had won it would have been it like it would have been great, but then I feel like there would have been too much pressure and um, too, maybe perhaps too many eyes, perhaps too much uh spotlight. On, uh, on uh,
1: <laughs> uh, okay
0: and like and like, like that a little more. and like and like La La Land losing that was the best thing that could have happened to this movie now with Mad Max Fury Road it can always be the movie like fuck, fuck movie that should have won screw that other movie etc and i think that i think that it has it will continue to be the little movie that could because of it <laughs> that you know it will, it will it's always reaching towards something but it can never quite get it and that makes it more powerful
1: I respectfully disagree, sir. Okay. Uh, I I think um, if it had won, there's always the thing where, like, oh, and you guys deal with Oscar winners w- way more than I do, but there's always the idea that, like, the, a lot of times the, the movie that wins Best Picture is kind of forgotten about. It's, like, kind of finished, like, the, the director or whoever gets some shine, and then it's kind of gone, right? So, I mean, that's kind of what happened to Spotlight. Uh, no one's no one's having screening parties with that shit. So, but so but, but but what would have been really nice, I think, um, is if if Fury Road had won, it would have been a not only uh a, the correct choice, but it would have shown that the Academy was um, you know, adapting with the times that we're living in, hmm. and it would have given I think it would have given more breath and life to A, uh, the audience who was watching the Oscars who was incredibly just getting more and more sort of jaded by the entire thing. Uh, I think it would have given more freedom to directors to not just want to make sort of Oscar bait to continue the perpetual sort of Hollywood narrative to get jobs, you win an Oscar, then you get to do your next thing, like that sort of nonsense. So, you know, La La Land is being the, uh, the penultimate in Oscar bait these days. Um, and the fact that, and I think Moonlight winning uh, over La La Land is 100% wonderful. Uh, but you know what's interesting? It's it's that uh, I hope Moonlight continues to be a beacon uh, and time will tell about that. But La La Land, whether it won or lost, it will have the same level of notoriety and remembrance uh, that it would have one way or the other. I truly believe that because no, no one's looking at La La Land like, oh man, it almost won they're looking at la la land like there's that musical that they built to win oscars like <laughs> it's it's so anyway just to the fury road thing cuz i feel like i'm going off, off topic i i just think it would have done so much more good for the academy for the oscars for filmmakers wanting to try new things innovative things um and i'm still bitter that they couldn't get their foot out of their ass and like actually see the future and kind of embrace it a bit
2: mm. hmm.
0: Well sir, I would uh like to subscribe to your magazine. That was very <laughs> persuasive. <laughs> I have
1: a zine. Uh it comes you out every Tuesday. I, I print it on uh, on Angel Fire toilet paper. Oh what? <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I, I figured it was a blog on Angel Fire or something like oh, that.
1: Oh it is. No, <laughs> CDs, baby. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, guys, um this has been a fun conversation. I feel as though we could talk about so much more of this every week actually i believe because yeah. it is it, there's a lot there's a lot to mine here but we have got to get going so matthew kroll yes hi once again where can people find you
1: uh, you can find me and my life and works at matthewkroll.com, dot lcom You can also find me on Instagram at Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z, or M S K on Twitter. And you can always listen to the melodious sound of my co-host, Shaheer Dowd, uh, in his beautiful New Zealand accent, and my raspity, weird, sort of poor man's John Hamm voice uh, on the only podcast about movies, um, where I, I believe... Um, I think. Oh, ooh! This week we're doing a we're doing a, a listener request. We're doing the Life Aquatic, I believe. Ooh! So that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and uh, you can find us at onlymoviepodcast. dot uh, com or on Facebook or on Twitter onlymoviepod. And you can email us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail. dot com.
0: Okay, you get all that,
1: audience? Audience, hello! Is, is anyone is no, anyone is, there? Wait, is this yeah? not live? Oh. Oh, we're not doing it live, not, guys. Oh, uh, Marchetti. No one does it live anymore.
0: Marchetti, if people want to get in touch with you, where where they find you? We'll do it live!
3: <laughs> uh, as usual, you can find me on Instagram at movie underscore matinee, matinee with two Ts. Uh, try to do a review a day or something. Uh, They're like so that. good, man. I know
1: God I say it too, every freaking time. They're so good.
3: Uh, it's super <laughs> fun reading those. I, stop read it, that. but keep going. Keep Sorry. stop <laughs> it. Keep <laughs> going. It's good. But but keep and Kroll, It's funny that you you mentioned your name uh, at the beginning here because the the movie I'm posting tonight is the same director's movie from 2007, Five Centimeters per Second.
1: Ah, oh, okay.
3: Posting it this evening. I hope
1: I hope it starts with a Rent style musical number. Because of the, the it's it a very specific <laughs> time denomination. It, it doesn't, but
3: it, it was it. very good. It was very good, so you can check it out as well. So. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you have been listening to Oscar Watch. You can find us on the social medias at Pod. You can write us an email at Podcast at com. Like, subscribe, and please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out about this little thing that we're doing. And as always, we appreciate you listening. We Do what will... You want yeah oh please come on
1: guys you Gotta challenge him you gotta you gotta really get in their face the audience's face you're <laughs> right. like listen come on
0: well he <laughs> fucking man up kid <laughs> next week we will be back to our regularly scheduled program so we're working on a few things we'll and we'll just it'll be a surprise as to what what we're talking about but we implore you to stick around. It'll be a bit of a secret. Maybe we'll get Ooh. some audience participation in there too. Nice. You nice. can determine yeah, the next movie. Or if Shahir Dow da- or or <laughs> and, and, and I'm calling him out, if Shahir Dowd wanted to get in touch with me, we were meant to do a, a whole review. I had a baby and we've been sort of, you know, um, you know, playing phone tag ever since. Call me.
1: We need to finish something. That's really nice of you to blame, uh, to try to take the blame of that. But we all know where that that miscommunication (laughs) (laughs) is. We all know. Shaheer, I love (laughs) you.
0: Anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, see you next weekend. As always, we'll see you on the red carpet. Woo!